Good day, good sirs. It's time for political football. Dave Cleve and Maddie Ice. How you guys doing? What's up, Cleve? What's up, man? Doing good. Hey, Matt. Doing good. Uh, it's been an interesting week, and it's getting interesting by the second. Um, before we talk football, how you guys doing politically, um, feeling-wise? Matt, you first. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, I actually uh, recorded a, a pod of my own about how my feelings changed from Wednesday morning uh, to kind of later in the week. But I'm a little encouraged, um, at least in terms of you know how the how the outcome came about, and I think at least what plans are are uh, come forthcoming to sort of you know have a normal looking president um, in, at the helm, but I'm obviously a little worried about the, the next 70 days. A lot of stuff can happen. And the person that is currently sitting in that chair is uh, kind of a crazy person right now. So uh, we'll see how that turns out, but overall I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm uh, I was never too worried that Biden was not going to, was not going to win the election. I mean, certainly not beforehand as we talked about in the last pod, but also just as the election was going on, as things were coming in, you know, I really wanted that, you know, win Florida, win North Carolina, get that early knockout, but it just didn't happen. And this election actually felt to me like the Texas Chiefs playoff game last year, mm. uh, where the Texans opened up a 24 to nothing lead and then the Chiefs won 51 to 31. Mm. And people tend to remember that the Chiefs fell behind more than they remember that they just absolutely boat raced them through most of the game. And that's what happened here. I mean, this election's not close. Biden's going huge in the popular vote. He's going to win more than enough states to get a decisive electoral college victory. I mean, he won in every single way that you can possibly win this thing. So I'm very happy. And Dave, it, I wasn't worried about the outcome. It was more how many people still can openly support what we've seen for the last four years when we have a good enough sample size uh, of it that's all it was for me like i wasn't necessarily worried about the outcome it was more the 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 division of the country still at large so but i'm I'm with you yeah so i i I mean i see where you're coming from with that but the thing you have to remember is that donald trump is actually very good at, at, at his job the people who voted for him put him there to be as racist and divisive as possible. Mm-hmm. And he's done a great job with it. Failing with the totally pandemic, great. tanking the economy, uh, getting us out of NATO, being a total embarrassment, giving Clemson fast food. Like, none of that matters to them. It, has he given them the opportunity to share their own racism as much as they possibly can? They see those like crazy people in St. Louis with their guns waving them at the Black Lives Matter protesters and they go, yeah, Trump's doing a good job. He's he's doing what he said he would do. So I'm actually not surprised that he got more votes because to the people who who like him, he did what he's supposed to do. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I uh, Matt and I had uh, we had recorded a um, our podcast that we do together uh, called The Deep. And we actually spoke a little bit about this prior to knowing all of this now. What's going on? I wasn't so concerned like like both you guys was about the outcome. Um, this is what I was fearful of, and it's what we're seeing. Um, and I'm I'm holding my own words here. This is what what's happening today in this country is actually treasonous because you're you're exposing us now. You're dismantling our our defense basically, and no one seems to think this is you know not cool. So yeah, I um I'm in I'm in the camp of at this point. I can't even call him the president. Don't want to call him the president from this point because this is a utter failure of, and dereliction of duty as as it goes down. I mean, 
we at one point in this country we can respect the office and not the person in the office but i i've lost all faith in this administration i've lost all faith in what we've seen in the last four years it's been a complete and utter shit show so on that note uh we'll we'll kind of interject our political stuff in there but let's talk some football guys well we uh we have another uh sad uh, an actual sad thing that we need to talk about as well here real quick that i've sort of interwoven into our thing and that is the passing of alex trebek oh yeah that was huge man that was my guy what just an absolute goat and the thing that i didn't realize like i knew it was true for me and like everybody i know i don't know why i didn't extrapolate it out to everybody else but like everybody loves this dude and i feel like everybody feels alex trebek was a member of their own family yeah 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 I, I started watching Jeopardy in 1990. I was in the uh, 10th grade. And it, I was watching it because I think I was doing some schoolwork and the show was on and I caught wind of it. And then from that, from that point on, I've always watched the show when I could. I own several board game versions of it and I own a video game version of it that I bought actually like last year that I still play. So I'm a big fan of quiz shows. He was the ultimate host. He always was calm and cool. So yeah, Alex Trebek, man, rest easy, brother. It's, it's been good. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. Um, I was unreasonably sad about it, you know, because whenever a celebrity, if you will, passes away, um, you know, we see a lot of outpouring of, of condolences, and we, you know, never really met these people. But there was Dave, to your point, there was something about Alex Trebek that was familiar. Uh, you knew where he was going to be Monday through Friday at around seven o'clock, you know, give or take whenever they switch some things around. But you knew where he was going to be. You knew where you could find him. And, you know, he was sort of a, uh, a mainstay in just about every single household in this country for almost 40 years. But you also knew how he was going to be. And he was extremely welcoming, genuine, witty. Um, there was something about the man that just felt different. And what sucks is that we lose that now when it seems like we are lacking to, you know, as many genuine people as we need. And it just it was a gut punch for many reasons. But, um, you know, it seems like from all accounts, he loved his family fiercely. He loved his job. And the fact that he was performing less than two weeks before he passed is just incredible uh, bravery. And it's an incredible professionalism. Yeah. And uh, it's it, it's going to be missed for sure. Absolutely. Yep, completely agree. So on that note, I have uh, I don't have this for all the games, but for a lot of the games, I have a little intro to honor our dear past friend Alex. Uh, so for okay. the first game, uh, please answer the form of a question. Uh, this team has lost their quarterback and star tight end for the rest of the year. Ooh. Who, who are the San Francisco 49ers? That is correct. Ding 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 ding! Um, nice. Now I will say, I will say that Kittle is saying that he wants to come back if, after like two weeks, but doctors are saying eight weeks, which is basically the season. Um, and then Jimmy G has like re injured himself again after he wasn't right anyway, so they should just shut him down. So I'm taking a little bit of liberty with him being out for the year, but like, yeah. Um, so we have the Packers 34 at the 49ers 17, and there wasn't much to say about this game other than that the 49ers are not good and hurt, and the Packers just absolutely demolished them. Yeah, which, I mean, honestly, it, I mean, you're playing playing a wounded team, and uh, unfortunately, the other guys get paid as well. So no love lost. Um, they did what they were supposed to do. They are supposed to beat the team in front of them. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I, I'm going to be honest. I did not watch a single snap of this game because I was watching Steve Kornacki instead. But I was following along on DraftKings, 
And, uh, you know, this was one of those games where the 49ers, even when the game was sort of close at the start, like they just never, they never had a chance. Nah. Um, nah. And, man, I want to get your opinion on this. I think that the Green Bay Packers are the NFC version of the Buffalo Bills. I agree. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. This this game didn't tell me anything um, because the 49ers are so hurt. It's very difficult to gauge whether uh, the Packers are any good. And you'd expect this kind of an outcome. But I agree. Um, you know, it's it, it. I don't have full confidence that the Packers can beat the cream of the crop on their best day um, in the NFC. I, ju- I just don't. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Rodgers is, is who he is. And obviously he has a great uh, chemistry right now with Devontae Adams. But other than that, this team doesn't really strike me as a complete team. And Dave, you said it last week on the pod when I was listening. And it's, it's so true. I mean, um, you know, the Bills are the same way and we'll get to them. But I don't have confidence that they can beat the elite of their conferences on that team's best day. And you know, this game was just whatever. I mean, we'll see. They're going to play better teams and we'll get a better gauge. But this didn't really tell me anything. OK, so the next game we have, we have the Texans 27 at the Jacksonville Jaguars 25. And the uh, the clue is that Jaguars rookie quarterback Jake Luton attended this university. I actually do not remember. Oh, okay. Well, that the answer then is what is Oregon State? Oh. I cannot. Wow. I cannot believe you guys have been watching your Oregon State football here in Virginia. No, shame on me. <laughs> um. So yeah. So Texas twenty-seven, Jaguars twenty-five. Now Jake Luton did look pretty good. I wrote down his stat line here: twenty-six of thirty-eight for three hundred and four yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Not bad for like a sixth-round pick who probably didn't think he'd be playing this year. Yeah, the guy helped himself out. <laughs> he got eyes on him. You know, I don't know what that's going to mean, but I think Minshew's out again coming the next this week or whatever. So I mean, hopefully he has a repeat performance and. You know, these guys that come out of nowhere, like the Matt Flynn's of the world. I don't know. Yeah, and the thing about Luton coming out of school is that, because um, I actually do watch, not every Oregon State game, but, you know, three or four a year, um, is that he, I always, like, you can just tell by looking at him that he could throw the ball, you know, you know mm-hmm. through, through a mountain. Like, that's not a problem. It's that he is the slowest, most unathletic-looking quarterback I think I've seen. Oh, God, I mean, it's a sure. long time. Drew Bledsoe. That run took a hundred years, but they couldn't stop the run, his run, his, his QB run. Right. It took a hundred years. It took a hundred years for him to get to the end zone. But right. You know. Like, like I honestly would not be shocked if right now I could, I wouldn't beat him in a forty, but I bet I could lose by less than two steps. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but but like but but he can throw it. So like his arm is the reason why he's in the league, and I think we really get to see that. Another thing on this game is that uh. The running back for Jacksonville, James Robinson, 25 carries for 99 yards. And DJ Chark, seven catches for 146 and a touchdown. It feels like the Jags' offense is actually pretty good if they get decent QB play. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really – I don't know what's wrong with Minshew this year because I, I actually like the guy as a quarterback. But I don't – you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of spot on with that. Like, they could – they're way better than their record is. They should be in games. Um, for the most part, so yeah, yep. and, I can. I can and they were that. definitely in this one. Uh, I don't have any notes on the Texans, Matt. Do you have anything on the Texans, or is this just what they are? This is just what they are. I mean, Deshaun Watson is extremely fun to watch, and outside of that, um, you know, they, that that's what they are. They're Deshaun Watson and a cast of characters, and you know, they're they're 
with with him at quarterback, they should be better than two and six. And I, I know that there's not as much talent across the board because of very shoddy. Uh, we'll use GM play in quotes over the last few years, but they are who they are. They're not really exciting. I don't have anything to really add outside of that. And that's not a throwing them under the bus. It's just that's what they are. Yep. You you guys think if Hopkins was still there, we'd, we'd be looking at a different um, scenario? or did, did If Hopkins was still there, Bill O'Brien would still be the coach. So it'd still be two and six, but they'd have a better future. Yeah. Gotcha. And the thing I will say about the Jaguars is I have a lot of respect for the fact that they're one and seven, but they're playing hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they, yeah, they, don't, they're they don't look like a team that is trying to lose. But, um, you know, offensively, they seem to have a pretty decent future, as you said, Dave, if they get consistent quarterback play. But obviously, on the defensive side of the ball, they are you know not what they were when they were in the AFC championship game. So, you know, it puts the it puts the team at a disadvantage as a whole when you need to have, I mean, think about they lost by two and they had you know, a receiver with almost 150 yards and a running back with a hundred yards, basically their quarterback throw for 300 and they still lost. So, right. um, you know, like you, you would normally say, man, I'll take that from my team any night, any day, right? Like I'll take that from my three offensive best offensive players, but you wouldn't think that it would come, come to a loss. And that's just who the Jaguars are, you know, defensively, they're probably going to have to draft, uh, this time around, maybe get another, you know, offensive weapon. But if they can get a quarterback that's consistent, and I don't know if that's Minshew or not, but if they can, you know, they should be in games, like you said. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next clue. If you play quarterback for this team, your leg will be broken. What is the Washington? Football? That is correct. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. $400 for Cleve. Um, so we've got the Giants 23 at the Washington football team 20 and Kyle Allen just gets the Dak Prescott treatment. Yeah, I, I couldn't look at this injury, guys. They, and thank God they didn't play it over and over like, like the Dak one. I just when I saw the, the initial, I was like, shit, this is this is this doesn't look good at all. So it was what do you guys yeah. think? It was really awkward, the the injury, and um, I got an out from having to watch the replay because uh, it was like, oh, my son needs to take a nap? Sure, I'll go put him down. And then I saw you guys uh, <laughs> texting about, oh, they're showing the replay, and I was like, oh, darn, I missed it. Um, what I took away from this game is I feel like the Giants are bad, but I don't feel like they're as bad as, like, like when you look at the outcomes of their games, I feel like if if Daniel Jones doesn't give the ball away like it's not his to have on offense, I don't think that they're two and seven. I mean, outside of, I think, one one blowout loss, they've been in just about every game, yeah, right? Like, is, just about every game. And so when you look at those things from season to season, like sometimes teams in less than one touchdown games have a winning record, and then some seasons they have a losing record. And it's like, the Gi- I mean, think about this. Two of these games go the Giants' way they're four and five and they're like blowing away the division at four and five so i think that that's the fascinating part i i do think though that daniels is not the answer i mean he can't stop giving the ball away and they can't seem to get the offense to like play to some of his strengths i don't know like some of the stat lines it's like how is he having like 200 yards every game and maybe they just they just don't have the talent but dave i don't know what you think about that that's just something that is sort of interesting to me where it's like they obviously could be better than this but they almost seem to be shooting themselves in the foot with their their strategies and obviously the turnovers yeah the giants are not good and i think that you're right that they are a couple close games away from being having a much better record but at the same time i think they lose a lot of close games because they're poorly coached 
So, and that's that's not going to change with with Joe Judge, uh, Daniel Jones. We know he was overdrafted. That's that's for sure. But yeah, I I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him quite yet. Um, really, any anybody who had any quarterback that has demonstrated some level of capability in the NFL that has mm-hmm. never received adequate coaching, I'm not ready to quit on right away. Um, I I totally agree with you, Dave. That like you couldn't have said it better than I could have said that. I I don't I'm not ready to throw him out because I've seen sparks of he's he's actually serviceable and maybe he'll be a great backup somewhere. Um, but yeah, the, coaching him and getting him developed is critical for a quarterback because he was he had no choice in where he right. got picked. I mean, we can't say oh this fucking guy is supposed to do this. He he got picked where he got picked, and um, they've been in, you know that eighty yard was an eighty yes. yard run. The one Almost. Okay, so that 80 yard run showed that that the guy can get out there, and he's playing with you know he doesn't have his running game the way it was. He doesn't have receivers. Um, he's doing his, and they're still in kind of games. So to both you guys' point, um, and then today's point that I'm not ready to, to close the book on him yet. But to Matt's point, I don't think he's the answer unless, like Dave said, that he's coached better. Right. You know? Well, Cleve, I hope there's another quarterback in New York City that I hope you keep that same energy about who also has uh, might have been a little overdrafted and has never had good coaching. So, Well, I just want to say, too, like what worries me is not like the interceptions. Good coaching can help that. Right. It's decision making. It's, you know, that kind of thing. What worries me is the fumbles. And I know that you can like coach on how, yeah, but on how to hold yeah. the football. But when he's fumbling on average, like almost two times a game, I mean, some of that comes down to staying in the pocket too long or whatever, but that, that part worries me because it feels like something that you can't necessarily coach sometimes where if he's in the pocket and he gets sacked, like, can we hold on to the football? Like, okay, you know, maybe you should have gotten rid of the ball sooner, whatever, but hold on to the damn ball, like throwing interceptions. Okay. You can kind of look at that and say, definitely don't make this decision. Let's, you know, let's try to think of it this way. That's the only thing that worries me. I don't throw him out, but when I see the turnovers and how much the fumbling has to do with the turnovers, it just worries me a little bit for a guy that, you know, is, is the cornerstone of your offense really. Um, I know you guys don't probably have stats on, on on what Matt just said, but what do you think over and under? Like, what do you think, like, his – let's call it two fumbles a game. Does any one of those fumbles 50% turns into a touchdown the other way? Like, does the team score when, when that I happens? mean, probably, but it's impossible to just estimate something uh, – Something, something like that. But yeah, I mean, we just know that no, turnovers, like, you know, turnovers like, are negatively correlated with winning. So, like, the more you turn it over, the less you are likely to win. Thus, it probably does lead to lead to points the other way, since that's ultimately how you lose the game. Well, the reason I said that to, to, to what Matt said was kind of interesting. Let's say I'm a defensive coordinator, and I know that anytime we put you know eight in the box, or or we put you know a linebacker to spy, and for some reason that play has more potential to cause a fumble because maybe his blind side is not protected and we know nine times out of ten if we hit him right now he's going to fumble the ball which should turn into a, a touchdown for us that's what i was kind of getting at not a, an exact stat because that's going to take some digging but to kind of say well you know what average two fumbles a game let's at least score on one of these fumbles if we, if we get right, the ball. exactly some stats for you on that cleave so he has fumbled 
uh, in six of the nine games that they have played, and he's lost, and he's lost one of those fumbles in four of those games, and in each of those games, he's thrown an interception too. So you're talking about you know one or more interceptions in games where he's also losing fumbles, and it just adds up. I mean, it puts the team at a detriment. And like we talked about, you can you can address the interceptions, but like hold on to the damn ball. Yeah, that answers my question then. Great. Thanks, Matt. Okay, so the next thing we have here, we have the Ravens 24 at the Colts 10. And the clue for this one is Ravens running back Gus Edwards attended which two universities? Hint, Cleve should know this. Oh, Gus Edwards. Uh, The U? Yes. The U? And then he transferred to where? That that you got me. (laughs) That you got me. So I'm... I'm a uh, uh, lifeline. Is it the ACC or SEC? No. Neither. Neither. Okay. Rutgers. I, give up. I was going to say Rutgers. Because I'm like, please should know this. It's oh. got to be New Jersey. Right? Yep. Yep. So yeah. both of, he went to both of Cleve's uh, schools. And honestly, he should go back. This guy is dusty. And I'm sick of them giving him carries. <laughs> and not and not giving carries to J.K. Dobbins. And you know it's going to be really bad when I'm out here defending a Buckeye. <laughs> Any more carries, <laughs> oh my God. but he does, and it's embarrassing, and I don't like it enough with the Gus Edwards already. Um, but yeah, Ravens wow. twenty four, Colts ten. Colts were up seven nothing in this game, and I never felt like they were going to win. Um, the Ravens offense though is broken; like something is not going right for them. I think they're trying too hard, man. I'm, I'm, I don't know which one of you guys mentioned this. I have to go back to do uh, this uh, episodes. Um, as far as the identity, one of you guys mentioned their identity a few weeks ago. I can't remember what you guys said, but I don't, I don't know what this team is. I don't know what they're, what they are. And if they're going to get their shit together to beat the Chiefs, they, they got to figure it out. Yeah, now. I mean, one note that I have down here is that like, it should not be possible to take away Lamar's running ability, Mark Andrews, and Hollywood Brown. Like every week, one of those things should be able to hit, but they're just not. I don't get it. Yeah. And the stat lines actually are misleading for Lamar, at least in my opinion, because you look at his stat line from the weekend, 19 to 23. Obviously, that's good. 170 yards, but no touchdowns. It's like, okay, so QBR and rating looks great. And he had 58 yards on the ground. But like, is 220 yards all you really want out of him when last year sort of set the bar really high but Dave to your point I mean they're not running but last year they ran the ball so efficiently that Lamar didn't have to do I mean he did a lot right like statistically he did a lot but he didn't have to do as much because it helps significantly when you can run the ball but they averaged 2.9 yards a carry this game I mean like that that is not going to do him any favors and then you're right they have Mark Andrews three catches 20 22 yards Hollywood Brown three catches just under 40 yards i mean that's not going to do it for you and i think that they have an identity issue in terms of you know last year they had such a great season and i don't think they're they can duplicate that this year and i don't know what it is if it's offensive line not being able to to block if it's the running backs not being able to find space but there is a problem with them and i don't see them beating the cream of the crop without addressing it or having some type of potency somewhere whether it's in the passing game or the running game Right, and that's like I just I just don't understand it. So the thing is that the Ravens and the Chiefs 
have a similarly structured offense. They just run completely different schemes where the Chiefs pass a whole bunch and they're Andy Reid and the Ravens are running a lot, but they have the speedy deep threat wide receiver, the uncoverable single coverage tight end, and a quarterback in the Chiefs case that can run well enough. And in the Ravens case, is like the best running quarterback ever probably. So like, like we, how many times a game do you see Mahomes and like there's just nobody in front of him and he just takes off for 12 and 15 yards? If you're going to do that against the Ravens, that's going to be 25, 30 yards, which means you have to take that away. So you're only playing one safety deep. Well, then how come Hollywood Brown's not getting open? Are you playing two safety deep? Then how? Then who's covering Mark Andrews? Like I just don't understand why it's not working. They're all good Dave, players. Dave, do you think some of it has to do with having last year on film? And because remember, last year it seemed like um, you know we were seeing Lamar break open, break. You know he was he he would he broke loose a lot. And it seemed like they couldn't get, you know, once you got past the second, you know, once you got into the second level, it was like they couldn't catch him. He doesn't seem to be doing that as much this year. I don't know if it's a decision-making thing where he's running at the wrong times or making the wrong decisions, but that has stuck out to me that he doesn't seem as explosive or, and have, have teams just adapted to the point where their defensive schemes are not allowing him to break out because they know that once he's out, they can't catch him. I, I, I don't think... Teams, most teams' defensive schemes can stop the Ravens. I think the Ravens can only stop themselves by not executing against the majority of teams that they play. Um, you know, I, I hold the, I hold this offensive scheme and ability very similar to like the Seahawks or the Chiefs, which is why I don't understand why it's not working. Like everything that they do and everything the way that they're built should be, no matter what the defense does, something else with a really good player should spring open, but it's not happening. And I am not. I don't watch X's and O's enough for anybody but Michigan to be able to really figure it out. I just know that it shouldn't be happening, and I'm mad about it because I want the Ravens to do good. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this, this quick question about Lamar. Do you think, uh, barring his, his MVP season, do you think that he trusts, before he runs, do you think he trusts his checkdowns, he trusts guys are open before he takes off, or now he's getting to the point where he feels so comfortable taking off where like to mass point he's taking off when he probably shouldn't take off so i can say that? from uh just from DraftKings all the time and whatever that i know that he doesn't check down to the running backs hardly ever and i don't know if that's a scheme thing or if he just doesn't do it but typically quarterbacks are willing to run don't check down because their rushing ability is better like do you want deshaun watson running with the ball or throwing it to duke johnson and i check down like you better just have deshaun take off so, but maybe, yeah. maybe he needs to start doing something like that to your point. Okay. Your okay. Yeah. So right, uh, for the next game, the clue is this running back has rushed for over 200 yards in back-to-back -back games. Who is Dalvin Cook? That is correct. The Detroit Lions 20 at the Vikings 34. Okay. Next game. No, I'm kidding. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So this just major props to Dalvin Cook here. I mean, comes back from injury, gets the bye week, which we'll, I'm going to bring up again later. He's hurt. They rest him. He gets the bye week. He comes back. He goes over 200 yards twice. Um, just just what an amazing performance from him. Definitely the best running back in the league uh, so, so far this year. And my note for the Lions on this game is that this demonstrates a lot of the reason why people don't like Matt Patricia. You know, the Lions, Matt Stafford didn't practice all week because he had the, the COVID contact. Uh, he literally did not even get with the team until they were at warm-ups before the game all week. And then Kenny Galladay is out. So you can be like, okay, the offense could struggle to 20 points. I can understand that. 
but to give up 200 yards rushing and 34 points to the Minnesota Vikings and you're a rocket scientist defensive coordinator like like I mean it, it's unbelievable <laughs> he's got to go he's awful All right, before I comment on the Lions, I just sent you guys something. Uh, and this is this is like a few that, that that Dave and I kind of friendly have about our franchises. Um, I want you guys to look at the playoff appearances, obviously. Forget the Super Bowl stuff, but the playoff appearances and how their records kind of stack up all time, as of right now, in running, in running time. Um, and I don't know. I think the Lions... Is actually better, not just this season, but I think they're better than the Jets ever was, even during our our two AFC runs. Um, what do you think outside of that coach? What is the problem in Detroit, bro? Uh, so the problem in Detroit. Oh man, this is um okay. So how much time do we have? No, so the no no we we can't no the problem the problem the problem in Detroit (laughs) right now. And consistently has been an inability to surround Matt Stafford with a complete team, right? And this is what goes back to what I said in the first the first uh, uh, pod that we did after the loss of the Bears, where it's two Hall of Famers and fifty one assholes. It's the same. It's the same problem the Lions have always had. Like the Jets will have a whole. They'll have like uh, like a bunch of C plus players and Curtis Martin, right? The Lions will have two first ballot Hall of Famers, and the rest of the team will be up, made up like me. Like, and they're just terrible. Mm-hmm. And then that's what you're seeing here with the Lions defense. You know, uh, Stafford doesn't get to practice. There's no Galladay, and they have no shot because their two good players are are hampered. And now they're giving up 34 points and 200 yards on the ground to the Minnesota Vikings. You know, the general managing of the Lions has been just as bad, if not worse than the coaching of the Lions has been, you know, during during my lifetime. So it's pretty much just organizational uh, failure top to bottom, which with most teams that can never get better in the NFL and never like become a winning team tends to be the case because there should be, there's paths. Like any team within four years could be a Super Bowl contender if they do a good job. Yeah, and the, and the thing about what I got, what I sent you guys was that I think there's, a, if my math is right, thirty there's thirty seasons in between these franchises' um, uh, origination, and the records are the record for certain things are is almost it's almost close. So I don't know if that's just a testament to how bad the Lions have been overall, or just how piss poor the Jets have been since they since they. Well, here you go. Here, here's so here's a question for for you guys then, or a clue. And I'll continue to honor Alex Trebek here. Uh, okay, here it is. The Detroit Lions have won this many playoff games since 1957. I can tell you that they haven't won one since Wayne Fonts was coach. Cleve, you got an answer? I would, um, that is correct. It is one. January 8th, 1992, but who's keeping track? So, um, that's and, and I, that was my oh. 18th birthday. That's, yeah, I was born January 8th. 1974. So, oh, well, there you go. The Lions beat up Steve Berline <laughs> and the Cowboys, and the Cowboys wanted to win two Super Bowls. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's what's wrong with the Lions. The answer is pretty much pretty much everything. But for this particular team, like, just get don't draft a defensive coach. Your your talent is on the offensive side. So go get, go get an offensive coach and try to win games 
you know, 50 to 45 if you have to. You guys fell in love with Matt Patricia coming off a Super Bowl uh, run. I, I don't know what you mean by you guys. So I actually have um, a stat because before Cleve invited me on here, um, you know, Dave, you, you took a lot of liberties on the Jets. And so, um, you know, and that's fine. Yes, right? he has. No, no judgment here. But I, I, I have a stat because, you know, Cleve, you are correct. There are 30 seasons that separate the two franchises. And I want to just put one out there. In those 91 seasons that the Lions have been in a franchise, this is obviously well before Super Bowl era as well. They have 10 seasons of double-digit wins. Um, the Jets have 11, and five of those are this century. So, uh, but it's uh, and wow. the other thing, uh, the Pet Patriots have had double-digit wins every season since 2003, um, but they won't this year, obviously. Um, so that was just one that kind of stood out, where you know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there there are two franchises that seem to not be able to put consistent teams together. The Jets have been to some AFC Championship games recently, but still, like, you don't get over that hump. And, um, you know, I, I, Dave, I think to your point, I mean, they had Matt Stafford, no complete team. But then, you know, you talked about Barry Sanders offline. I mean, you have one of the best, if not the best running back of all time. And, you know, he leaves because of the frustrations around the lack of building the team. So you could probably make that argument for the Jets too, Cleve. I mean, but they've also had a lot of non-talent yeah. over the years too, where it's like they don't even have anybody to look yeah. to. The Wayne Font, yeah. I mean, not Wayne Font, the uh, Rich Cotite. Yeah. They're Richie the Cotite, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but Dave, Wayne Font is the winningest coach in Lions history. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, but that's like saying you're the tallest person on this podcast. It doesn't really like. I'm just saying, you know, though, you're not going to sign. You're, you're not going to the NBA, though. He is. By the way, both franchises, Jets and Lions, their winningest coaches have losing records overall. That's it. So yeah, not oh, beating, yeah. not not beating up at all. Just put, you know, put. I'm okay. not. I'm just putting stats up because I happen to have the stuff from when Cleve had asked me to come on weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, given uh, uh, given that talk about teams that are struggling right now, I think we should move on to uh, a couple teams that are that are well, one team that's struggling a lot and one that is not, and that is the Bears seventeen at the Titans twenty four. And so here's the clue: this player led the Chicago Bears in targets with eleven. It wasn't Allen Robinson. It sure wasn't, or else it wouldn't be a good clue, would it? <laughs> no. Oh shit! I was gonna say that. Yeah, who, who the hell was Darnell it? Darnell Mooney. Know? I have no <laughs> fucking clue who that is. He had eleven uh, targets, big guy. <laughs> yes, rookie, rookie, rookie out of two lane. Uh, great for college football uh, fantasy, by the way. Great, great player in college. Uh, and like talented. Like I'm sure, I'm sure he's an okay player. But uh, I have a note here that Allen Robinson should be getting Devontae Adams level of targets, and I don't understand why not. Like, just throw it to him. I have to ask. I have to ask this about the Bears, and it's going to sound really stupid. I'm sure you guys are going to roast me for it. But is there merit to putting Trubisky back in? I mean, Foles... I, I I only asked. Yeah, I I was gonna I was gonna say that, that for you because, guys too. I mean, the team. I know that Trubisky's not the answer long term, but looking at this season, Foles through 52 times they were down big, obviously, but he is he is not the answer whatsoever. And we talked about him stealing money, and it's like, I mean, was Mitch so awful that he's worse than the way Foles is playing right now? Like, would they probably they could possibly still be five and four, but maybe not look as god awful as they've looked on offense the last few weeks. Just a thing to consider. 
Foles has had an interesting um, arc, as you like to say in life. I mean, they ran him out of Jacksonville, right? Yeah, they ran him out of everywhere. He even got run out of uh, uh, Michigan State to Arizona. Like, yeah. Yeah, like, so So what is, yeah, so I'm glad you met, because I didn't know what college he was. So it goes to show you that the guy just shows up as a mop-up guy. Like, I'll, 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 when to get us to the fucking promised land, and I'll, I'll take, I'll, you know, I'll take it from here. I got it, you know? I don't, I agree with Matt. At this point, what have we got to lose? Let's put Trey back in. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the more important thing is that we're at the point of discussing should they play Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, which means they're done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, at that exactly. point, there's just there's no coming back. There was something very interesting in this game, though, um, that I did not expect to see. So the Titans controlled this game from start to finish. Derrick Henry had 21 carries for 68 yards and no touchdowns. Did the Bears wow. figure something out in a losing effort that better teams might be able to do to stop Derrick Henry? I don't know, but like that's really weird that the Titans are just controlling the game and Derrick Henry can't get going. Or maybe Derrick Henry says, "Hey, we we, we got this in hand. I'm just gonna kind of play." But I'm yeah, not but isn't that how you get hurt? Win, you know, that is true. That is true, but. You know, like those trap games, um, Matt and I talk about this in boxing a lot when you take an opponent like lightly because you're going to beat them, but how bad? And I think sometimes some players, they play better against like really bad teams or they play better against really good teams. I think he, he might say, you know what, I'm just going to like be in the game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very possible. Now, that doesn't that doesn't fit with what we've seen from him either in college or in the NFL. Uh, it's possible maybe he's just nursing a minor injury. Or like that. That's yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, like, like I I can do enough. Like my sixty eight yards is enough because of, there's a lot of first downs in there. You yeah, know, I just you know he seems to live for breaking into the secondary and embarrassing defensive backs with stiff arms. So you think he'd be going after that? Yeah. But yeah, so that's just something interesting to keep an eye on about the Titans going forward. And then yeah, Cleve, you mentioned, um, or maybe Matt, you just mentioned that the Bears are five and four and after starting five and one when i said that they would not make the playoffs which now looks like a stone lock um and they are that drop pass by the lions in week one away from having a losing record yeah um dave you know the titans did control the game score wise right like the you never felt in any way that this game was in doubt but you two debated about time of possession last week. And Dave, I, I'm kind of on your side in a lot of ways in which it's not a predictor. The Bears had more time of possession by almost eight minutes than the Titans did. Yeah. So controlling the game in quotes, you know, they, they seem to have be able to do it. But all right. So the larger picture for me is the Titans. Like I, I've said here, I've, you know, I'm on record as saying that they're one of the best coach teams in the league. And I don't think that that's untrue. But. I mean, this performance that they had here, I, do we think that that's going to beat the, the elite? I mean, I don't know if that controls the game against other teams that have a little bit more talent on them. And I'm worried about them offensively because they can look really great. And then Tannehill throws 10 for 21 and Henry has 68 yards and a win's a win. But I think about it big picture, like playing against the elite teams in the in the conference, you know, are they... Because they can't play from behind. They can only really play from ahead. So I, I worry about them long term. But obviously, I think they're going to make the playoffs and be fine. But we'll see what happens when they play teams that are on their level, if not better. Well, yeah. Th- so that's the point I'm sort of getting at is that this this game was 
show that the Titans played really poorly by showing how bad the Bears are. If the Titans were to play this same game against any team that's going to make the playoffs from either conference, they get they lose by 20 points. Yes. And, and I think you said that about the Steelers last week, and we'll get to them obviously a little bit later, but it's kind of the same thing. They play this game against you know the other teams. They don't win. They lose by quite a bit. Yep, absolutely. Um, so the next game we have was actually a really, really fun game. Um, and I don't have an Alex Rebecca thing for here, at least off the top. But I'll think I'll think of something if I can. Uh, we have the Panthers thirty-one at the Chiefs thirty-three. Yeah, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Teddy, I don't know, man. I, I um. So McCaffrey is back, right? He he, he played. Uh, what did you guys think about his performance? And does the team look better with him in the lineup, or it didn't matter? Uh, so obviously they looked better because they hung around with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so McCaffrey had ten carries for uh, sixty-nine yards and a touchdown. I'm sorry, eighteen carries, sixty-nine yards and a touchdown, and then ten catches for eighty-two yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So he was obviously a factor, and he was missed in that lineup. Yes. Uh, however, he did hurt his AC joint. He should be out two to four weeks. Okay. So, so now, so, so Dave and I have this really, really good connection. So that I, I was waiting for that, and I knew you would never let me down with with that kind of stuff. So obviously, um, in the NFL, is a win now, always. Whether it's COVID, not COVID, or whatever, it's a win. You play to win the game. Um, he could have stayed out because they were doing okay. Did he just stayed out another two weeks and been? you know, better, but, or still have his AC joint get hurt anyway. So him coming back, he lost him now for another, what, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. But he's coming back from a high ankle sprain. So it's two completely separate injuries. So I don't think that, you know, you can't really relate them, right? No, no. It, 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 two different parts, but it, obviously they're leg injuries. He's a running back by position. So he kind of needs that, that uh, appendage to work. Um, So I guess my bigger point is, or, or what I was trying to say was that like, what was the point of him coming back now versus maybe uh, around Thanksgiving or right before Thanksgiving? I mean, I think that they wanted to bring him back because they thought he was good, healthy, could play, and could help them win, and he sure did. I mean, he hurt himself on the yes, but, second but the long the game. game, the long game is to try to make a playoff run, right? Not this year, not for yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. So, like, and I, I think Dave and I have talked about this offline a lot. Um, with this season. And in college football, as well as the pros, if your team is kind of out of it, I'm not saying quit because I would never say I have a competitive fire inside of me. But it's like, at what point, like, what are you guys playing for? Like him coming back now with another injury compounding on whatever he's already dealing with. What's the point now? What's I think, point? are we... Are we discounting a little bit that McCaffrey is a competitor and he just wants to go out there and play? He's like, I feel good. I mean, he feel he probably felt good enough to play. Clearly, he was. He performed extremely high. And then the injury at the end of the game. I mean, no player ever expects to have stuff like that happen. And so maybe it's not necessarily the team pushing him out there. Maybe it's a combination of both. I'm on. I'm. I'm with you guys, though. I get it. The long game and all that stuff. But believe you know, right? Like. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean, some some guys will play with a concussion. I'm pretty when yeah. Tom Brady when when Giselle uh, te- uh, tweeted that he had a concussion, and then in when ten seconds that tweet was pulled off, he's like, yep. "What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> I've had to play with concussions because I like playing football. Like, don't write that. Don't ever write that again. You know, like that happens. So, 
Um, I'm just saying, I guess in the, in the, in a football sense, like you're playing for fucking nothing, right? But again, you are playing for a paycheck and you are playing for the the love of the game that you have. But I think in the, in the spirit of competition, it's like if they pushed him out there, and I have no proof to substantiate this, but if they pushed him out there, wouldn't it have been better to push him out there later, better than sooner? I don't know. It's just me. It's just- yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Just because of how good he is, and that they waited. Like, I think he already got an extra week, anyways. Okay. Of of rest. Like, I just, I, I think your general point is correct. I just don't know that it applies to this particular situation. Okay. Um, and in fact, coming up in a couple games, we are going to talk about somebody in that in that exact same situation. Okay. Now, one thing I do want to mention about this game is that Patrick Mahomes has roared back in the MVP race. Um, like, it's, and now I think it's him, it's him and Russ. And Mahomes in this game, 30 of 45, 372 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He could turn it on when he feels, it, it, it almost feels like when he wants to really play, like it'll turn on at any point in the game. Yep. And getting back to my point about the Ravens with Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown and how like you shouldn't be able to shut all of it down all at the same time. In this game, Tyreek and Kelsey combined stat line 19 for 272 and two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Same right. Right. Yeah. So he threw 272 yards to those two players and 100 yards to everybody else. Like they know what they're doing, <laughs> they go through their players. And that's what I'm saying. The Ravens just can't figure out how to do this, but the Chiefs have, and that's why the Chiefs are the best team of football. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're going to be hard to beat, man. Like, like when they, because they're you got to get you got to get them down like almost damn near forty points, and even that, it's like they could probably still come back. So yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Next game. Uh, the clue is the, the uh, which quarterback had the following stat line. 31 for 38, 415 yards and three touchdowns. Will that be who, who is Josh Allen? That is correct. Shit. I was trying to think of the high scoring games and I forgot the Bills scored 44. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um because it doesn't happen very often. And and so that's that's the thing. So yeah, so we had Seahawks 34, Bills 44 was the game. Uh, the Bills actually beat the Seahawks ass twice. Like, they got into a huge lead. The Seahawks came back to within a touchdown, and the Bills just stomped them again. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh Allen, 31 for 38. I don't think the Bills can lose a game where he's that accurate. Mm. The So, so here's the thing. And you, you mentioned the MVP runnings, and you mentioned Russell um, in that in that regard. Um as of late, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm if I'm heading down the wrong path here. His his uh, I think he's only thrown seven or eight interceptions all year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you guys can fact check that. But it's like he's now turning the ball over a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's hurting hurting their chances. But um, as to your point, Dave, if 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 Josh if Josh is that accurate and he's on, you can't you got to play a mistake free game. You can't give these guys that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I think I mean Russ did throw two interceptions in this game, and one was yeah. near the goal line to Trey White. So that's yeah. Not good. The counter argument would be the Seahawks scored thirty four points in an NFL game that should win. Yeah, well, yeah, but against the Bills defense, right, right. So they put up thirty four in Buffalo and yeah. lost by double digits. Yeah, and that so that's why I'm saying like when Josh Allen is playing like that, it 
it might not matter what anybody else can do because the team is constructed. They're constructed for him to not be that accurate. Yeah, so he is. It just it just swallows everything. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't believe the universe that we're living in right now. That <laughs> well, the Jets is the Jets, but in that division, the Patriots are at the bottom, and the Bills and Fins are on top. It's like someone took an hourglass and just flipped it upside down. I mean, it's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, it, this is this is a such an anomaly year, dude. It's just like you. If someone had told me two years ago this was going to be the reality, especially like for sports, I'd be like, "You're lying." So, right. Um, oh, go ahead, Dave. Oh, I was, was going to say that, like in like in 2015, you'd have uh, you tell somebody that in five years Trump's going to be president. There's a pandemic. Now Brady plays for the Bucks. Yeah, it just it just sounds like a re- okay. All right, brother, stop smoking that shit or bring right. it to the class. You know? <laughs> okay, go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Well, I was going to say um, something to consider here is the Seahawks have given up the most yards passing in the league. Um, and it takes another like seven teams before you get to another winning team. So it's not that the Bills didn't play well. They did. And you're right, Josh. They can't. Well, how about this? They should. It's not that they shouldn't. They can't lose a game, like you said, with Josh Allen being this accurate. Um, but him being this accurate, as we've seen so far, is somewhat of an anomaly. He's not generally that accurate. They played the game of their life, but the Seahawks secondary is not what it once was. And I'm not saying that just because they've given up a lot of years passing means that that's indicative of the Bills, you know, whatever. But it, it is saying something. It's been a narrative that's carried through for, for the Seahawks all season is that their defense, specifically their secondary, has not been what it once was. And they're... They've given up more passing yards than teams like the Falcons, Jets, Giants, Vikings, Jags, and Panthers. Those are all losing teams. And so, like a lot of them are very badly losing teams. So I think the Seahawks are an interesting case because clearly their, you know, their offense is good enough to, ca- to carry them. And against bad teams, their defense should be enough. But, you know, the Bills took advantage of it after looking kind of crappy for three weeks in a row offensively. Um, so I think the Seahawks are fu- are interesting to watch because of the fact that their defense is probably going to be a liability more, you know, you know what I mean? Like that's possibly going to overcome Russell Wilson playing one of his best seasons. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. I agree generally with, with that, with what you're saying. I do think in this case, there are a couple things to keep in mind. The first is that for a lot of the season, the Seahawks have been playing without Jamal Adams, uh, mm-hmm. also known as the Jets best player. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he was back for this game. And the Bills, coinciding with their struggle there, they played a couple of really tough opponents. I know they played the Chiefs. I can't remember one of the other ones they played. But they also had their schedule flipped around due to the COVID stuff that wasn't their fault. Like, their games ended up getting moved a lot because of other teams that were playing on Thursday and other playing on Sunday and whatever. Yeah. And I feel like now they're just sort of back into the rhythm finally they got the home game and it's at one o'clock on sunday and it's the time it was supposed to be and now they're off and running again so i think that the bills having their outside stuff back to normal and then the seahawks having jamal adams back in the lineup does actually give more credence that i think what we saw this week might be more closer to what the bills are actually like than the struggles we saw the last few weeks that's a great point, Dave. And I think we all offline and online talking to each other at different times. Uh, and then this has always been a, compar- a comparative narrative since we've been doing the show is that in well, in this COVID era is we, we off we often talk about the competitive balance and imbalances when it comes to the college game, which I want to 
you know, close on, you know, a little later. But today's point just now with these games getting shifted around, and I think one of you guys texted me over the weekend saying that the the game last night should have been a flex game at some point or whatever it was. Like, so with the things that's happening with COVID, obviously we're in record, like our numbers are now like in the the triple digits uh, around the country. And how do you think this is going to play out for the next? Because we're we're exactly at the half point of the season now. Like we're in the middle of the season right now. And we have, what, eight games to go for playoffs? Yeah, something like that. Is that right? Yeah. So what do you guys think? Just kind of like, you know, not putting a whole bunch of stats together. But what do you think is going to happen or possible the possible scenarios of all, a lot of these games getting shifted now with the weather going to shift and all this uh, other shit that we're going to go through? Well, it would make sense that the second half of the season would be worse than the first half because the pandemic is way worse now than it's ever been. And it's mm-hmm. going to get worse. I mean, by... Christmas and New Year's, we will be looking back on the pandemic around the election as the good old days. Like it's going to get really bad, unfortunately. Um, yeah. And so, I, I mean, in college, in college football, they're talking like not the official people, but you know, Twitter. Like this season is not going to get finished. Um, yeah. No. I, I, yeah. I, I think I asked you that because yeah. you're, you know, you're, you're, you're very critical of the college game. Yeah. Always been. So I always, you know, um, defer to you for that type of stuff. Yeah. You had floated, um, I think, in the in the beginning of the show, not this show, but when we first started the season, about a bubble format. Do you think that there there's plans for that at some point? I, like to say, pick let's pick four stadiums, indoor stadiums around the country, and we're gonna like finish the season uh, in in this scenario. Like, what do you guys think? I don't think the NFL is going to do that for the regular season, but I think they are out of their minds if they don't do that for starting at the second round of the playoffs, like the final eight. Yeah, they will have they to, th- right? They should because do it in Dallas right? just because the Cowboys won't be there. No competitive advantage. Um, yeah. Big enough stadium to hold all the teams. Like, yes, just they need to already be planning a bubble for the final eight teams because you don't want to get through the season but not be able to conclude it. I mean, that's the nightmare. Yeah, exactly. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I think that this has is, had so many layers to it that's interesting. Um, outside of all the ske- rescheduling, I mean, I've said, I think even here, that it would not be a bad idea for the NFL to have almost like a secondary Super Bowl date, you know, a month from where they are to give them a little bit of flexibility because I think, Dave, you're, you're absolutely correct in your assertion that the second half should be worse than it is with COVID going up, weather, all of that stuff. But another thing that kind of struck me this weekend when I was watching the games is my wife said, oh, um, you know, Seattle's playing at Buffalo. And I was like, so? Like outside of the travel part of it, there's no crowd to really speak of. And even the stadiums that have fans, I don't know if the crowd is enough to sort of influence where in years past you have a packed stadium and it does make for a different environment for teams that are traveling there. So that, in my mind, has been a little interesting where this idea of being on the road versus home is almost it's different than it is because it doesn't there's not as much gravity to being on the road as there is to to being at home uh but even so like as we go along Steelers just put Big Ben on their COVID-19 list I don't know what that right I don't know what that means but my question is if we do this bubble thing if we are before we even get to the bubble like is the NFL going to react if Mahomes gets put on this list and he can't play this is right this is a i think dave said this earlier like weeks ago like when when that magnitude of a star goes down then oh oh oh, oh let's uh let's look at something else real quick you know that's crazy man that is crazy 
Yeah, the problem is that I don't think that they can do... I had an, an idea that they should, like, take various two-week breaks. But I don't think they can do that now because the pandemic is just going to continue getting worse through... I mean, through the spring. Yeah, Texas is Texas is, is, is approaching by the end of... I think today or tomorrow, a million cases in Texas alone. In Texas. And, you know, you have what you have two teams in Texas, right? You have the Texans and you have the Cowboys. Um... To Matt's point earlier about the about the competitive and so like back in the day going to Arrowhead or going to CenturyLink, obviously noise and all that shit. I don't care how many how much noise you pump in artificially, it's not like a live crowd cheering you on, and the other team can't even get a cadence on the field. So, but the weather's gonna play a interesting thing. But again, New England was the was the the arc in the day. Now it's it's going through Buffalo, <laughs> and Buffalo's winter is way it well, sorry weather is way worse than going up to Foxborough. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what you got, so so it, it is going to become a situation where um, the the football might get really disrupted, but most are doing the COVID versus the weather being really bad. Because I honestly think that with the record number of hurricanes that we've had uh, just in the last two months, um, with Louisiana just getting pounded. Um, we're gonna have a, a one big snowstorm at least this year, and it's gonna be in the Northeast. It's on tape. God help us. God help us. Well, the Jets need it because we're fucking done. <laughs> yeah, that can that can cancel. They can cancel. That's our win. That's our win week. Yeah, that can cancel your uh, your your season there. Okay, so uh, for the next game here, the clue is this team's two leading receivers this week are both rookies. Broncos? Who are the Broncos? That is correct. Thank you for Ooh, the formal question. Nice. That's right. So we have the Broncos 27 at the Falcons 34. The Falcons hung on to win a game. Yeah. I mean, they're auditioning. They're auditioning for other teams, bro. I mean, well, Julio and, and Matt Ryan, <laughs> at least. Yeah. So in this game, we had uh, uh, the two rookies that I referenced for the Broncos. Jerry Judy from Alabama. Seven catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. And then KJ Hamler, who's from Michigan, but Michigan didn't recruit. Now that I'm bitter, six catches for 75 yards. Um, and they they led the team, uh, led the Broncos in receiving. Uh, Noah Fant, second year tight end on the team, had a pretty good game as well, despite getting hurt and missing the chunk of the game. And they get Cortland Sutton, their actual number one wide receiver, who's got a 20 seal this year, back next year. This team literally just needs a dynamic quarterback, and this is the team that should target Justin Fields from Ohio State in the draft. All right, so I didn't, so I, I didn't see this game, but the highlights. So is this is was Drew Locke the quarterback in the yes. day? Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> yeah, but okay. here's the thing, Cleve. So Locke was 25 of 48. So right, oh, and yes, he threw for 300 yards. Yes, he threw for two touchdowns, but 25 of 48. Like that's not yeah, that's, his arm was in a swing. That's dude. not what you're hoping for. And if you're gonna throw 48 times, you'd hope for a little bit more than than you know, 50, oh, just over 50. percent uh, But I agree with you, Dave. I was look, this game meant nothing to me, and I was just like, ugh, every time uh, Red Zone put it on. But you know, the the interesting part is the Falcons are playing hard when they really shouldn't be. If you think about it. Um, if they really don't have a future with a lot of these the, the people that they have there because the, the money just isn't on their side and the age too at some point but the Broncos have mm-hmm. a lot of weapons they're really exciting and young but they are missing that one piece 
Um, and Drew Locke, to me, and I'm not writing him off, but you know, he was hurt earlier in the season. But right now, at this point, I think he's got six touchdowns, six interceptions. And, you know, would they have won some of these games? Uh, I know that they had a comeback recently against our beloved Chargers, but, um, you know, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's the answer with this talent around him. And I would like to see somebody else take the reins that maybe has a little bit more athleticism and better decision making. And I think that it would be a huge uh, opportunity for the Broncos next year. Wow. Hey, Dave, we'll put you on the spot. Um any quarterback off the top of your head in college right now that would be a good fit for that system? Yes, yeah, so that's why I mentioned Justin Fields from Ohio State. Um, okay, I just absolutely fantastic. Think um, uh, Kyler without the crazy acceleration, but the same top end speed, and like throws the ball like I don't know a good quarterback. <laughs> like he, he just throws okay. it really well, you know. But he's used to be all playing spread out. Lots of mesh, lots of go routes, quick decision making, can take off and run. Like, I think Justin Fields from Ohio State is actually a perfect fit for the Broncos. Did he um did he transfer in after um after uh what's the name left? Uh, Haskins or was he under on, on the bench when Haskins? No, was there? so uh so this is this is the story of how this went, and this will explain to you why I hate Ohio State so much. So Okay. The year that we talked about offline that Tua came in for Jalen Hurts and beat George in the national title game, Justin Fields <laughs> was the backup quarterback as a freshman on Georgia that year. Oh, yeah. okay. He transferred to Ohio State after Georgia said they were going to go with Jake Fromm instead of Justin yeah. Fields, which, great decision, guys. Um, also didn't ruin my life at all. So, since... Justin Fields to Ohio State. Ohio State, in turn, then their quarterback, who was behind Haskins, decides that he doesn't want to compete with Justin Fields and transfers to LSU, and that was Joe Burrow. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Ohio State was like, well, we have to choose between Burrow or Justin Fields. Meanwhile, Michigan is like, well, we have to pick between Shea Patterson and a ball of yarn. Um, so, so yeah, so that's why I dislike Ohio State, but yeah, that's the story of the, the crazy transfers there. And meanwhile, your Georgia Bulldogs are uh, putting Stetson Bennett, the fourth out there. Uh, by the way, guys, if you, I I caught a glimpse of him on the sideline without his helmet on. And I asked my wife, I was like, does he look 45 to you? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, he's just one of those like young guys who looks like he's in his forties and his twenties. Uh, and he had about he, he, he drinking, had about bro. forty yards passing, so it was about right. Yeah, Stetson Bennett the fourth might be the most Georgia quarterback name ever. That's that's as oh. good for Georgia as Colt McCoy is for Texas. Hell yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and I just that's love great. it too because I'm like, man, Stetson Bennett is kind of bad enough. Like, leave the fourth part off. I know you're excited about it, but like that doesn't help. It's not helping. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, good. I mean the. Um, and so I just want this does not fit in with any of this except for the naming thing. I just want to bring this up that Gardner Minshew the second, his father is not named Gardner. Oh shit! Yeah, they, <laughs> okay. they just wanted to put the second on it because they thought it sounded good. Oh yeah, my his god! His dad is not Gardner <laughs> Minshew, but he is Gardner Minshew the second. <laughs> um, that is literally not how any of that works. Like... <laughs> Say. That's yeah. insane. I kind of hope that. What if Stetson Bennett like that? What if his dad is like Floyd Bennett? 
like, you know what? Let's go Stetson Bennett the fourth. Just I just loved it, too, because, like, Georgia Twitter was like, I can't believe we got a guy named after a fucking hat. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. Texas gets cold named after awesome. a gun. <laughs> Georgia gets the hat. Oh, my God. Cowboy okay. season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, Dave, what we uh, got next? So the next game here, we have a uh, we have a clue where the answer is actually more of an opinion, but it's an opinion that I think should be a fact. And the question, the clue is this: this play call should never be the last play call, or there should never be the play call for the last play of the game. What, what is the fucking goal line? What fade? is the fade? <laughs> uh, he actually got it better than I did. So. Yes, that I, is oh, that God. is right. So the game is the Raiders thirty-one, the Chargers twenty-six. Go ahead, Matt. I don't. I, I'm sorry. I fucking goal line fade. Like I just fucking hate it. And I know, I know, Dave, that you you explained it to me extremely well. And I don't give a shit. I hate the goal line fade. Like you were so good. You're like it has a no, you know, no real downside. You know, lots of upside. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, I don't fucking want it anywhere near. Especially in the last play of the game. Like fine. In the last play right? of the game. And I was that, like, that's I, not gonna. They happen. did it not once, but twice. And it was like, what the hell? And I'm like, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Okay, we got one play, no time. Let's throw an extremely low percentage completion rate pass and just hope for the best. And to be fair, the ball was thrown well. It almost was caught, but I hate the goal line fade. That's it. Yo, so let me ask you guys, and I might I might have this play wrong. So in the in the card in the Cardinals still a Super Bowl, that that last pass, Big Ben to um to, Antonio uh, Holmes, Antonio. Yeah, Antonio. wasn't wasn't that a fade or no? Or or Santonio had to make an adjustment. Yeah, that was a, yeah. In. He had he had to yeah. adjust to a to a poorly thrown ball. Yeah. Okay. So, but but that wasn't a goal line no. fade. That was just thrown to the outside. Yeah. Where, you're, where your guy can hold. Yeah. The so play. and for for the listeners, what I told what I told Matt about the goal line fade and why it why it's a play that has that does have a place is that it's a very low downside play so because of the design of the play it's almost impossible to throw an interception on it unless you are just extremely terrible at like i'm sure daniel jones could do it but it should be very difficult to throw an interception on it like it's either going to be incomplete or caught for a touchdown the problem is it's also very okay. low upside because by design you're bringing the boundary in as an extra defender on offense which is never like a good thing <laughs> Um, and so it doesn't have mm-hmm. a high success rate. So if it's the last play of the game, the downside no longer matters. Like, who what was the down? What was the down and distance? Uh, who cares? Um, There's two seconds. Two left. seconds left. It's like why? No, no. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's it's no. I mean, it's it's like like was it, yeah, it was like goal it was something in goal? Like they're in like the three yard line. It's like two point conversion basically. Okay, so no quarterback sneak or no no up the gut. Well, no that's the thing. Sweep. When you have Justin Herbert, like you could you could do like a run pass Wait, option sort of deal. Yes, but they, you know you could yes. actually use Justin Herbert in the game winning play and not just have him <laughs> chuck up a fade that I could throw to your third string tight end. <laughs> I was gonna say no, they <laughs> didn't even throw it to their best guy. Like, well, it, Williams got hurt in the play before, but even well, then, Keenan right? Allen? Don't call that play. Keenan Allen. Well, you don't throw a fade to Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is four. I know nine. that, but I'm saying like at the end of the game, yeah, yeah, the game is on the line. Don't you want the ball to go to your best people? So the play call wasn't. You know, you know what I mean? that's what I'm saying, Dave. Is like the the play call was so crappy that it didn't. It involved their like third string tight end, and it's like 
there there are so many other options but at the end of the game just just for, like if i'm at the end of the game and i'm like i'm not i don't care if we turn the ball over because the game's over if we don't make this so let's go to our most in yes i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna yeah i'm, I'm gonna like, audible it, matt to that point I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, the play's this, but fuck that. I'm, like, I'm running like, up the gut. Scramble drill, anybody? Like, let go. You know what I mean? Like, do what you can. Herbert can obviously move. He's got a cannon. Let him make a play, damn it. It was like last year with that, that game. Remember yeah. the with that game no. with Minshew where it's like they let him throw the ball down the field and then they handed it to Fournette. And I'm like, what the yeah. hell? Like, that- the fuck? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with both you guys on this. But we also all three agree that in, when the game's on the line for all the more, could you imagine that being a Super Bowl play? Like, I'm sorry, a Super Bowl decider. Like, you're gonna win the Super Bowl on this fucking play, Pete or not? Pete Carroll didn't throw that's a goal not line what fade. That's kind of almost did the same thing. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was kind of alluding to as well. Like, like you have a lot of other options, and right. you have a great quarterback. However, to mass play. yeah, like, however, so, so that's actually a good comparison. So the Pete Carroll quick slant in the Super Bowl, where the correct thing to do is just hand it to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, right. However, that game. play is meant to catch the defense out. Yeah, and it should have. Malcolm Butler just made a great play, but I, that throw is at least high percentage. Yes, it is. I agree with that, Dave. I actually yeah. didn't kill them for it because I thought it's high percentage throw, and it probably works eight out of ten times. But like Malcolm Butler, knew, like made a play, like and he could have missed and whiffed on it too, and then everybody would have been talking. To me, you know what I mean? I, but right. the goal line fade is not the same thing. But the hot hand was the hot no, hand brought you down the field. You you turn the ball down the field. He had one more or two more plays in him. Oh, Russell could have yeah, ran the, the, So for that play, the question is, if, if you just told the Patriots that you're going to run it with Marshawn Lynch, could they still stop him? Yeah. And I'm not sure the answer is yes. Okay. However, as it relates yes, to the play this week, Anthony Lynn tried something similar where he tried to catch the defense out. So he lined up for the goal line fade. He lined up trips to the left side with Keenan Allen and all that. Shit. And he lined up Donald Parham, his third string tight end, out by himself, out wide right to throw the fade. The problem is that the John Gruden is such a better coach than Anthony Lynn. He saw this and put a starting corner on the third string tight end, right? Yep. No, yeah. which is yeah. Lynn thought that he could get a, a, a uh, you know get a linebacker out there or some backup safety because everybody else is worried about Keenan Allen on the other side with the trips. And the thing is that I'm sure Justin Herbert saw that, but there was no actual other play call for him to go to. So the point is, you don't run a goal line fade under any circumstance last play of the game. And Anthony Lynn is a terrible football coach who should not be a head coach ever again. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I would, um, and Dave and I have talked about this, like, you know, tongue-in-cheek type stuff. Like, if if you're a GM, and I think Dave and, and Matt, you guys would make excellent GMs um, at the end of the day. I probably would not. <laughs> um, but... If you're hot, if so, if Lindsey was up for a job and he comes into your organization, you're gonna actually bring up these type of plays and be like, talk me through the thought process here of what you, what did you want to do, and I'm pretty much he's gonna shit the bed because he, he's not gonna be able to explain to you two guys who are football savants. But it's, it's like that's not a high percentage in a game winning situation when you got a quarterback and then you're gonna put your third string fucking uh, tight end. And a a all star corner on him like that's not gonna that's not gonna win. I, I not mean, even it's a just, luck it's scenario. It's so it it's yeah. That gets it you fired. It's that gets so fired. bad. But what what gets me about it is it doesn't even jive with any solid decision making at the point of the game. Like we've talked about plays that are the right play, the right move 
they just didn't execute. Like the, it just, the outcome wasn't what right. they wanted. It doesn't right. mean that the play call was bad. But in this particular case, given all the data in front of you, like I'm sitting there on my couch on red zone. I have never played football in my life. And I was like, they're going to fucking throw the goal line fade again. And Chrissy's, I, my wife, my wife was like, what do you mean? And I was like, just watch. And they did it. And I was like, what? And I was like, this fucking guy. And, and I said, and I think Dave, you texted, you were like, I hope it's incomplete just for poetic justice. And I was like, me too. Uh, and it just doesn't make any sense. Like there's no explanation that Anthony Lynn could give that would be like, okay, that was the right play. It just didn't work out. It does. There's nothing given everything else that's there. But I also have to say that I have to give John Gruden some credit. I was really hard on him that first year. Cleve, you can remember how I made fun of his big ass member. Like yeah, he had oh, the yeah. glasses. Oh, he's yeah, had the big yeah. like battery pack thing. And I was like, he looks like they, I was battery like, he looks pack, like they yeah. pulled him from like 1995. But he has gotten a lot with, a, a, to me, a little, you know, Derek Carr, I mean, is serviceable, but you know, we, we thought he wasn't the guy, but they're five and three. You got to give him some credit. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, this game to me is about the Chargers' failures. Derek Carr was 13 of 23 for 165 yards. Oh, I get it. I'm just saying, like, he has maximized with what he has. So, I mean, be, yeah. being five and three yeah. with 13 of 23 for 150 yards is like he's he's clearly he's clearly a good coach, <laughs> is what I'm saying. I gave him not enough credit when he came back, but I think he has the right. I think he has the right ideals in mind to make the the Raiders a contender. And the Chargers could be there. I said, it's a good situation for whoever takes it over. I just hope that it's somebody that is competent and sees what they have because they have a quarterback and they need to just go with it. Okay, so I have I have a uh, – so I agree that I was way too hard on John Gruden at the start, that he's a better coach than I gave him credit for. However, I don't think he's good. And I'm going to call it right now that next season, the Raiders will finish bottom of this division. Ooh. All right. Yep. I mean, okay. so so the Chiefs have the take? Chiefs. The Chargers will still have Herbert, but should have a better coach. Uh, and the Broncos won't have everybody hurt. I mean, you know, so yeah, give me, give me the Raiders bottom of the division 2021. So Dave, who's a good fit for the Chargers next year? I know the hot name is Eric Bieniemy, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's right for, you know, what they want to do there. Is there any other names besides his that would really work here? So I don't, I don't uh, know the like assistant coaches as well to just be like, oh yeah, it should absolutely be that guy. But again, if you're in a division where you're trying to compete with the Chiefs, I think you want an offensive person because you have to outscore the Chiefs because you, you're not going to stop them. That's what the Broncos are finding out. They brought in Vic Angio to stop the Chiefs. Well, good luck. You know, you need you need to try to score with the Chiefs. So I think the Chargers should be doing that too. Like they should be trying to maximize their offense. So some good offensive guy, maybe, maybe uh, uh, Joe Brady, who's offensive coordinator at Carolina, who was the coach for Joe Burrow at LSU. Clearly his passing games work. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I might want him to be coaching Michigan next year, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but he could be he could be a good <laughs> fit there. You know, walks in with a good quarterback and and all that. So as long as it's an offensively minded person, I think that they, that they're doing okay. All right, all right. Uh, so the next game we have the Dolphins thirty four at the Cardinals thirty one, and here is the clue: Nuke Hopkins had this many catches in the game. What is two? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. 
That's what it was on my fantasy team at one point. That's how I know. <laughs> Cleve, do you have, Cleve, do you have a guess? <laughs> it is three. Uh, four. Both of you do not qualify for Final Jeopardy. Um, yeah, uh, three <laughs> catches for 30 yards for new cop games. I have a note here that any game where he doesn't get seven catches is a fail. <laughs> yeah. uh, especially with that they lost this game. Uh, so first, before we talk about the best quarterback on the field, I want to talk about Kyler Murray. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Kyler, get a load of the stat line. This stat line is insane and a loss. Kyler Murray, 21 to 26, 283 yards, three touchdowns, 11 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Yeah, so I was just kidding. Okay. Kyler Murray's the best quarterback on that field. Um, that's just absolutely bonkers. <laughs> and I think that the only way you lose a game with a sailing like that is that you, of those 21 completions, only three go to Hopkins. Your defense yeah. didn't do you any favors Shit. either um, in that game. But yeah, um, Kyler Murray is is dynamic. And yeah. it's, it's it's just, it's it, he's fun to watch. And I, sometimes... You, all of us are we're trying to analyze. We're watching the game, thinking about the next recording. But I, I get lost watching him sometimes because he they snap the ball. I have no idea what the intended play was, and he's somewhere <laughs> out there for like twelve to fifteen yards. And yeah. and it's like, but once he gets, oh, if if you let him get to the outside, like you're not going to get him. And it's just the way he runs. Like my wife said, he runs like a short person. And it's like I was like, yeah, he takes small steps, but he's got a burst acceleration. And it's just it's it's so much oh, yeah. fun to watch. But think yes. about this: we talked about Got when they beat the Cowboys now. in prime time, and he was like ten of twenty four. He's twenty one of twenty six for almost three hundred yards. Like that's a great stat line. Yeah. Regardless of it's a win or loss, and that's what you want. And the whole narrative on him was that he was too short to be good, and it's like he is making Cliff Kingsbury look good. Uh. So yes, he <laughs> is, and it's a good thing too because Cliff Kingsbury last year was like the worst at deciding when to kick field goals. I mean, he kicked field goals way too often. Yeah. And this year he got a little bit better. But according to the next-gen stat people, this game was 34-31, to 31, which ended up being the final score. The Cardinals had a fourth and one at the Dolphins' 33, and they elected to kick a 50-yard field goal to tie. Yeah. According to the, to the fancy nerd people, just the decision to kick the field goal cost the Cardinals 16 percentage points towards the win. Just the decision, not even the fact wow. that they missed it. Well, and it's Just another kidding. one. It's another one of those plays where look at it, a fourth and one and what you're asking of your offense. And I'm always a proponent of if you're on the opponent's side of the field, go for it if it's a fourth and manageable, especially if it's like fourth and one. And, and you're asking Kyler Murray to get a yard like a yard so you'd like to think that even if the play was yeah. broken he could he could like mouse his way to one and a half yards and keep the drive going and dave to your point is it you're right like kingsbury needs to be a lot more efficient about making those decisions because it's like we've talked about with the texans sean cook i think it's in this case let kyler do his thing because he obviously has taken plays that are supposed to be a pass situation and he scrambles for like 12 or 15 yards easily uh, yeah. and doesn't get hurt too. He like, he seems to always be out of bounds. And, you know, I mean, the baseball background he knows how to slide. And so you don't feel like he's, he's, he's taking a huge risk every time. Yeah. No, there's, there's never a clean hit on the guy. 
So I agree. Yeah, he could win this game because he had to try to get a first down, and he bounced, he bounced, he bounced right back up. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that I think that Arizona should have in their playbook for situations like this fourth and one, where Murray's obviously should start to keep it, is something that uh, in the Michigan Internet Universe we call QBO nose, which comes from the Den- Denard Robinson days. Denard would take one step towards the line of scrimmage, and the entire defense would collapse towards the line. And then, like, some scrub wide receiver be running wide open down the field, right? I've not seen Arizona run a play like that where you snap mm-hmm. it to Kyler. He takes it two steps towards the line, and the safeties come racing up to the line because they have to. And you just sneak the tight end right behind them. And that would be the perfect time to do it right there. Like, that should be the play that they have designed for that exact situation. And I just don't think they have it. Yeah. Okay. So then we also need to talk about. Uh, the other quarterback in this game, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, who was tw- uh, 20 of 28 for 248 yards and two touchdowns, also had seven carries for 35 yards. Now, in this game, during this game, listeners, Cleve texted Matt and I and said that Tua does not look good. So do you, do you care yeah. to explain how this 20 for 28, 248 and two, no interceptions, seven carries, 35 yards and a win does not look good? I looked at the play that I looked at. I think he he took a he took a sack when when he wasn't supposed to or something like that. There's something that happened that triggered. I was like, you know, and and I prefaced in my text to you guys. I said compared to Burrow and and Herbert, they look more ready. And then you you fired back. Well, they've played more more you know more games. They've started the season um, versus his three three game sample, which I later on rebutted. Let me talk about Tua at the end of the season. We have eight more games to go, plus his three that we have on, on record, and then we can make that assessment. Right. Then. However, the issue is that you said he did not look good in this game, right? I agree, I agree with you. We can make an overall assessment no, no, I, no, later, I, obviously. I don't think this game is going to say he's the next Dan Marino, um, but yeah. in this game, but But that wasn't the end of the game. When I said that, that we were in, we're still like we're pretty much in the middle of the game at that point, and something had happened. I can't remember what happened, and I was like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, why, why would why would he do that, or why did you know why do you think that was what he was supposed to do? Like I I just it was something that triggered me to say that. It wasn't me watching the game and like, oh, you know what, this guy looks like dog shit. It wasn't like that. It was just it was like something he did, and I think he did it a couple of times. Um, and it was actually similar to when they played the Rams, and I think um, Donald had got him. Obviously, Donald's Donald, but the uh, like he he thinks about running. Um, and I'm like, well, you could have just dumped it right there. You know, everybody's not in the SEC. This is the NFL. So yeah, it was something. When I get to it, I'll I'll text you guys. But it was something that that he did that made me think. I'm like, this guy's not good to me. But again, I'll make the assessment, the judgment on him at the end of the so season. So this yeah, will be another DK Metcalf situation where you will not be waiting at the end of the season. It'll be three weeks from now and you're going to be like, okay, man, my assessment <laughs> to his Matt, Matt, well, Matt first, bring up I just have to say this. As a statistician by trade, Cleve, it delights me that you took a one-play sample and compared it to an eight-game <laughs> sample of Joe Burrow. Like, if you... If you if you want to talk about well, cherry no, I mean, picking I'm... your stats, man, that was perfect. Like so friggin' perfect. Right. So... Like, this, the statistician in me thanks you for that. Yeah. So Matt's a statistician. I'm a gambler, and Cleve's like, "Well, I'll take a bad sack." 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm flip a coin. That I'm gonna flip a coin. That delights We're gonna me. Gonna no end. That is so great. Like that is so Trumpian too. Is it's just fantastic. <laughs> we saw we have we had belts and three dead people in Alaska. The entire election's a fraud. Two of sucks. Okay, so insane. <laughs> Guys roasted me. Okay, you guys roasted. Okay, we'll talk again. So, Cleve, we'll, we'll to, to your point, here's the rest of the <laughs> remaining schedule for your Miami Dolphins. Char- uh, Chargers <laughs> at home could be a win. At Broncos could be a win. At Jets, at Jets, definite win. Win, yeah. At Bengals, at, could that's be a, a win. <laughs> um, and then they have Chiefs, Patriots, Raiders, Bills to end the season. Okay, so that so I didn't know the front part of the schedule, but I I know the back end was going to be a murderous row. So yeah, let's see him against those teams. Uh, all right, so I'm just doing some quick math in my head because they're five and three. Mm-hmm. Are the Dolphins going to the playoffs this year? Yeah, and they go four and four in this stretch. They could they'd be nine and seven. It could be good enough to get in. Yeah, because yeah, they got the yeah. seventh team. Yeah, mm-hmm. could, yeah, could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really going to yeah. depend because they're playing yeah. a lot of teams around them that are also in the same boat. So, you know, it, if if that four and four, they lose to teams like the Raiders and the Bills, you know, like the Raiders and the Bills, the Bills are obviously going to win the division. But my point is tiebreakers could come into effect here if some of these teams are in the making, you know, are in the running. So I think it depends on who they lose to. But if they go nine and seven, they have a shot. I mean, they definitely win the NFC East. What week do they play the Bills? Last week of the season. Uh, so that means they might not be playing Josh Allen because yeah. the Chiefs should have home field, or Chiefs or Steelers should have home mm-hmm. field advantage locked up. The Bills will have the division locked up. Yeah, yeah. They might yeah. not play. They might not play Diggs. They might not play Allen. They might not play Trey White. They might get mm-hmm. the Bills backups in that game too. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah. So I just wanted to bring up this thing about Tua. So listeners, we have this thing going on going forward. Uh, that Tua is good, and soon Cleve will Cleve will come around. Soon he will concede that Tua is good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, fucking uh, guys. So for the for the next game, we have the Steelers twenty four, the Cowboys nineteen, and here is your clue. Before this game, the this was the last team that Garrett Gilbert played for. Before this game, when he started quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, Garrett Gilbert last played for this professional sports. Oh, I have no clue. Oh, wait a minute. Um, oh, what is a team in the like AAF or something like that? Judges. He, we I will can't remember what that because nobody should be able to name the teams in the AAF. The judges will accept that. Uh, the answer is the Orlando <laughs> Apollos. <laughs> oh shit! I need to... <laughs> Correct me if made I'm up. wrong, but, but was Gary Gilbert the guy that replaced um, yes. Colt McCoy in the national title game? Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah. Former five-star, all everything. Texas didn't quite live up to it, but I mean, he's the thing is, quarterbacks develop like they keep getting better till they're in their like early thirties. So, you know, this is a this is a talented guy. So maybe he can do he can do a little bit here. But yeah, so I, my first note here is that Garrett Gilbert, um, he was passable. He mm-hmm. was certainly better than Ben DiNucci. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> my sister, my sister is a great Cowboys fan. Janelle, shout out. She and she listens to the show with her friends at work. She works at TD Bank in, in New Jersey. And she went into a rage. Like it was like texting, and then she finally called me, and I'm like, oh my God. She she said, I didn't see the game. She said that 
there was some bad calls, um, some stuff going on. I didn't see the game, so I'm, I'm, I'm deferring to you guys to let me know what was, you know, what was the issue here. Or no, the issue happened. here is that so the, the Cowboys, Cowboys are trash and the Steelers no? played down their competition and she's lucky they only lost by five, you know. Hey, take 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 your good news and keep moving. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I have a question because this game triggered the um, – we've talked a lot about plays and situations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, I don't know how, how – if you paid attention to this at all because the Cowboys aren't any good, but – Cowboys were up 16 to 7. I think it was like fourth and inches. And they were on the Pittsburgh side of the field. They'd been moving the ball. You know, they have a nine point lead against an undefeated team. And they ended up kicking the field goal to go up 19 7. And I said, why would they do that? Like, I understand getting points, but fourth and inches, and you have a, you have the potential to possibly score a touchdown and go up bigger. It seemed to me like it was the wrong call and it was too conservative giving the team that's on the other side and also giving where the Cowboys are and they're not they're not really any good or vying for anything. I wanted to hear your take on whether I'm completely off on that. Uh, so assuming that there was a decent amount of time left on the clock to actually mount a continuing drive. Um, yeah, yeah it, no. was, it was like in the third quarter or something like that. Like oh. So it was plenty of time left. Oh, yeah, no, that's just awful in every way I think can be awful. Like you it's the same thing we that we talked about. I don't know if it was last week. Whenever whenever the Jets played the Chiefs, was that last week? Um, and the Jets kicked four field goals in the game and it's like, yeah, that's not going to win the game. Yep. You know, yeah. yeah, no, you have to go for it in that situation. You know, the Cowboys should go into this game going, We are never kicking a field goal unless it's fourth in a ridiculous length of time or there's no time left on the clock. No, it was in the third quarter. It was 19-7. Yeah. They had really been playing well. I mean, they were, you know, holding the steel just seven. Yeah. And I just, like, I just was looking at it and thinking, I, this doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it doesn't feel like the right call. Maybe it wasn't 19. I, it was something like that. I can't remember what the score was. But either way, it felt like maybe it was 16-9 to nine or something. And I was like, they should go for, the, go for it and try to score a touchdown here. If ultimately they end up kicking a field goal, fine. But in that moment, I was like, I feel like I know Mike, more than Mike McCarthy here. I, I just and I'm yeah. not like a yeah. I well, mean, Gilbert was not the, the offense. It's not like they couldn't do anything like with Ben DiNucci. <sighs> Quarterback sneak up the middle, get and then take more time off the clock. Like it just seemed like the wrong call, and I didn't ultimately lose them the game. But that conservative play doesn't help you against a team that you know is significantly better than you on the other side. It it could have ended up losing them the game. I mean, how it plays out and whatever you know, whatever they managed to do. But yes, that is. Your 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 instinct is correct. They should not be kicking the field goal in that in that situation. And you can make an argument that a team, like you can make an argument that maybe the Titans could think about kicking the field goal in situation. But the thing is, they never would, and that's why they're coached well, right? Yeah. So Mike McCarthy spends all this time in his football barn studying analytics and makes that huge of a mistake. That's just not that's just not good. We have um another thing about the Cowboys here too. And this is related to what we're talking about with Christian McCaffrey. Dallas played Ezekiel Elliott with a bad hamstring as a 14-point underdog the week before their bye. And that tells me that there is pressure on Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, why would you ever? Oh, yeah. And $90 million. But even then, $90 million means you protect that investment. Football. And bringing him out there with a bad hamstring is not protecting it. It's risky. And being risky with that investment... Yeah, but so far, so far the investment when he was healthy did not look good. I'm with Dave so on this. Like, I mean, the offensive right line is in shambles. I think they have one starter, maybe, 
on the offensive line this year. And, I, you know, some, a lot of the guys probably aren't coming back. They haven't been able to consistently run. If he's got a bad hamstring, you really have nothing to gain by doing this. And I get what you're saying, Cleve, but it's like, think about it. We, we had this discussion about McCaffrey, who clearly was healthy and just happened to get hurt again. Zeke was not clearly healthy, and it just seemed like a really weird decision because them, I mean, yes, they could win the division at 6-10, and 10, but that's not getting them anything, really. It's not gaining them anything. So Zeke being out there no. for this game... No. I mean, who cares? <laughs> and they could win the, right, you're right. And they could win this division without winning this game. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. that's that's the thing. Like this game, they could easily, if they wanted to win the division, they they would be thinking about punting this game by not playing Zeke, resting him through the bye week and then coming back and, and going a- afterwards. I, I just thought it was a huge mistake unless you're Mike McCarthy and you're like, I'm going to get fired if we don't win. And so I've got to try to do everything I can to try to win right now. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Jerry Jones has it in him. It's a one and done over there or what? I, th- I think Jerry Jones ultimately. To, oh, to let uh, him go? Well, like Trump. I think ultimately he's just a coward. Yeah. And that's why he can't handle having somebody like Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Johnson or Bill Parcells around. He can't. Like, I think that ultimately he's just a coward. And I don't think he can admit a mistake like that you know i don't think i don't think he has it in him to be like you know what i thought about it we met he told me about the football barn and i thought it was a good idea but it wasn't and he's and he's gone i don't think he could do it can i i honestly think steven i'm sorry to cut you man i honestly think steven steven jones was the probably pulled the trigger on on the on the hire not jerry the bucks out with jerry and everybody knows it it does I wanted the hot take on the Cowboys for yeah. a second, Matt, and Jerry Jones say? specifically. So I think I've said on this show that uh, my in-laws are loyal Cowboy fans. They have been. You know, they're a military family. They moved around. They lived in Texas for quite a while. So they've been Cowboy fans for a really long time. And I've had so many chats with my brother-in-law, who is a super Cowboys homer, about the fact that Jerry Jones, to me, is the crux of the problem in Dallas. And it's to your point, Dave, He's he can't put somebody as head coach that has a bigger ego than he does. And think about the fact that the owner of that football team is doing weekly radio interviews after every game. No other team does that. No other team does that. The Patriots, for all the crap that they got, Rob, Bob Kraft knew what he was supposed to do. Cut friggin' checks. And Jerry Jones is out there acting as GM, and then he's putting all the onus on the coach. And it's like, well, it's a multifaceted problem. Jerry either has to figure out that he needs a really big name. Like Mike McCarthy is a Super Bowl winner, but he's not, to me, a really big name or a guy that you put out there to fix your franchise. They need a really good coach. And it's somebody who he has to let do their thing. And I think you're right. I mean, he kept Jason Garrett for 10 years 10 years without really anything on his resume that would say that they that they should keep him. I mean, the Bengals kept Marvin Lewis, but because he had the most success of any coach they'd ever had, and I realized they didn't win a playoff game, but their standards are lower. The Cowboys are the Cowboys. They're not the Bengals. And so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and yeah. I think he's the crux of the problem because <laughs> they obviously have talent, but they're not well coached. And How's that going to get fixed if Jerry is constantly leaving these guys out there and the results are not warranting them being employed? Hot, hot take. Sorry, guys. Uh, no, that's that's fine, Stephen A. We'll uh, we'll take it. Um, I'm not a Cowboys hater. It's just looking at it and watching the anguish of my in-laws, and I'm like, I don't. I, they should be better than this. 
They should be better yeah. than this. Yeah, so Cleve and I, we're fans of the Lions and the Jets, I'm... so we don't feel any sympathy for Cowboys fans. <laughs> like, Hold on. I didn't say I felt sympathy yeah, for the Cowboys. I felt go, sympathy Dave. for fuck my you. in-laws because I have to live with these people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The thing about the Cowboys is like they're that child star who thinks that they're still the shit <laughs> because they won Super Bowls. Jerry Jones is Macaulay Culkin. So, okay. Fuck you. Oh, like so one, one last note, one last note on this game. <laughs> exactly. I do want to point out about the Pittsburgh, about the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers. This is their top three receivers. These are their stat lines for this game. Juju Smith-Schuster, six for 93 and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, six for 77. Chase Claypool, eight for 69. They, ha- they have just this fleet of receivers that they can run out there all over the place. Our next game. Oh, okay. So our next game here. Here's the clue. When it comes to the week nine performances, what do Garrett Gilbert and Chase Daniel have in common? Uh, that they come in for. Uh, shit. I don't even. Uh, Chase Daniel and Gilbert. They they both come in for that is in, that is incorrect. Game. Matt, do you have a I guess? Know. I got nothing. This is the first game that they've played in like eight seasons. <laughs> no, the answer <laughs> is that they both scored more fantasy points than Tom Brady. Hey, how about that? <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have the perfect analogy for this game. Woo. You and I have talked about how boxers they have their 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 mortal enemies, guys that just have their number. And I think the Saints just have the Bucks number this year because it's the yeah. first time in Tom Brady's career that a division rival has swept him in a season. First time ever. So it felt that way watching the game the other wow. day because they have not, they weren't wow. in any of the two games with the Saints, period. But Dave, go ahead. Yeah. So I want to say, at first, I do want to give the score here. The Saints were, Saints won 38 to 3. Um, so, and the one, the one note that you want to make about this. Because I don't think I don't think this is uh, well known, but as a statistician, Matt, you you probably do know this that when you have when you have two teams that are really good, within the distribution of outcomes at the tails are blowouts. It is not unreasonable for two good teams to play and for the outcome to be a blowout. It does not mean the team that got destroyed is a terrible team. Mm-mm. And I think that way too frequently when we see a blowout that's sort of unexpected, we way overreact to the poor performance of, of the team that got blown out. And I think that's true here of the Bucks. Like, I don't think the Bucks are 35 points worse than the Saints. Um, but with the Bucks, when it goes bad for them, it goes really, really bad. So these are the two, these are the two quarterback lines. Drew Brees, 26 of 32, 222 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Just walk into the Hall of Fame. Tom Brady, 22 of 38, 204 yards, no touchdowns, three picks. Tom Tom Brady in this game was what he thought Tua was. 
I mean, and Dave, I'm not saying that the Bucks yeah. are like significantly <laughs> worse, but I think there are teams. It was like Green Bay and San Francisco last year. San Francisco just had their number and nothing that Green Bay could do about it. And it just felt that way in this yeah. game that if they have to play again in the playoffs, I wonder, you know, how can the Bucks overcome this? Because they, they seemingly haven't been in either game with the Saints this year and they didn't seem to have any answers. I mean, they were down big at halftime and it was unlikely they were going to come back, but they were lifeless even in the second half. And so it just felt like, you know, this this particular matchup for them is a really bad one. Yes. And so here's a, here's a, a bonus clue. Here's yeah. a daily double, if you like. So we know that the Bucks have Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, uh, Chris Godwin came back for this game. And, of course, it was Antonio Brown's first game as a Buccaneer. So the daily double clue is this. This player led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in receptions. Who is it? Oh, sorry. Who is Leonard Fournette? Hey. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say that. That's what I was going to say. I was going to. And then, well, Matt was coming in with it. I didn't want to over talk. Yep. Leonard Fournette with six catches led the Buccaneers in receptions. I would, I think it's safe to say this game went off the rails for the Buccaneers and it should not be uh, so. Uh, so bad for them going forward. No, I think they're going to be fine. They obviously have a lot of talent. Uh, the only interesting parts are whenever there's a really bad game, uh, Bruce Arians has a lot of shade to throw Tom Brady's way sometimes. And so I, I don't think it amounts yeah. to anything. Like yeah. I think they're making a huge deal over it. But I, I do wonder sometimes about Tom these days because we all know he left New England because he hated the way Belichick didn't treat him the way he thought he should. So I always wonder how he takes some of those um, you know, shots that are sort of fired about. Yeah, Tom just didn't throw the ball well here. I mean, maybe he says, "Yeah, you're right." Or sometimes, if it's like, "Damn it!" Like, <laughs> I'm a sick. Every every hey, every yeah. time he throws shade at me, Here's I'm walking thing. in with Super Bowl rings on. Tom Brady every loves the screaming, yelling, the histrionic every time somebody in his team does one thing the slightest <laughs> bit wrong and be in their face and be cussing, be throwing his helmet. So when he shows up with a stat line that gives me Joey Harrington flashbacks, like he's gonna have to take he's gonna have to take his medicine from the coach. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. No, no one is saying. Well, at least for me, for my camp, that Tom Brady shouldn't be, you know, uh, roasted you know, or whatever. I mean, ago, he had a bad game. Yeah, two weeks you ago, know, Ezekiel Elliott fumbles twice. Bad game. Pretty much the reason the Cowboys lose, and he's like, "This loss is on me," even though it's a team game. It's on me. Like Brady should have been out there. Like we lost this game because I was Joey Harrington. Exactly. Like that's exactly yeah. what he should have said. Um. Yeah. Okay. So then, <laughs> this is our last game of the nice. week here. And so the final clue is this. This NFL franchise is filing suit in the Supreme Court to stop the count after the third quarter. This fucking guy. Liberties you take. (laughs) That is right. It is the New York Jets. Who is the New York Jets? They are are sending former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani (laughs) out, out to hold a press conference. To the Four Seasons. Yes, at the at the Four Seasons convenience store. Um, to, uh, to 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 say that they found some they found some illegal field goals oh. at the end of the game that they don't want to count. I have to admit something here. As a Jets fan, diehard since 1984, 84, 85 season, I actually was rooting for Cam to have a good game. 
And I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that, not that I'm a Patriot lover now, but I actually rooted for Cam to actually go out there. And I wanted Gates to have such a bad game that they fired him today. Like I, I am calling. Yeah, for the I mean that's that's exactly right. So I do want to say today. the scores: the Patriots thirty, the Jets twenty-seven. The Jets led the vast majority of the game. The Patriots won on a walk-off field goal at the end, and it would be absolutely heartbreaking and soul-crushing if Jets fans had hearts or souls left to be broken and crushed after everything that's been happening this year. Uh, my only other note on this game, aside yeah. from my quip about them filing suit, is that the Patriots are are terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was a uh, it was um I think I don't know if Matt was watching the game because because you and I were texting on our thread and I was like well Matt's probably not watching at all but um I I struggled to get through it it was like drinking castor oil um probably mixed with piss I just I was like I'm watching the game like God like I want to turn away but you know it's football. But, yes, uh, mm-hmm. we I, we had the game. Yes, we you, you should have. Game. I mean, it's just just awful. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry, it's just no. I was saying I um. I fell asleep at halftime because you know you get the yeah, but you get the kid asleep. You got to take advantage of that because I feel like I'm on much. the verge of him being up all night here pretty soon. Um, yeah, and we just got to take take it where we can get it. But my takeaway is you're right, Dave. Uh, the Patriots are not a good football team. They don't have talent um, spread out anywhere really. Uh, their defense went from starting by looking good to being just. They can't stop anything. They can't stop anybody. I mean, that touchdown they give up right before the half is just not the kind of stuff that they're we're used to seeing out of that defense. Like that's not what they what they usually do. Um, and Joe Flacco looked like look. I'm um, Joe Flacco looked like his old self, and it should not oh, be happening. God. Mm-hmm. I said to myself, I'm like, he has a Super Bowl ring. He has a Super Bowl um, ring. Overall, That's what I kept telling myself. Cam came back and had uh, a, you know a decent game. With, with when it comes to Cam, I wonder to myself um, how much, if if anything, the you know the COVID nineteen has anything to do with it. Because as we've talked about, we don't know long haulers. Um, you know the kind of I mean the Big Ten has their you know restrictions in place for the uh, the heart condition stuff, and you just kind of wonder like. Did it take a toll? Like, was it something that he couldn't shake? And and, off, and athletically, he just did not feel like himself. I have no idea. There's, so that's just speculation. But overall, they're a mediocre to bad football team. But they gutted this one out. So, all right. I mean, to, yeah. I mean, to your credit, against a horrible Jet team, um, I think at one point his stat line, like he, I think he had a lot of completions. Uh, like I think right to like the third quarter is when. He missed a couple of guys. But honestly, I think Dave mentioned this to me weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That field in MetLife, it's mm-hmm. something wrong with that field. Guys were slipping and falling like crazy, bro. Nobody could get a footing in there. And I'm like, the Jets can't maybe there was something to like that, that field needs to be like looked at. Yeah, no, th- dude, it's a, it's a complete fucking failure of a franchise like that. It, it's like, I, I clamor for take away your franchise. You have a losing season, you got to. You got to sit out a year. So that's all the year. games for that happened uh, this last week, which was a lot. There's a lot to talk about there also with the election. But I do want to take a second look forward to next week as well. Um, because the games next week, we have some amazing mm-hmm. games. Uh, so starting on Thursday night, we actually have a decent way of the Colts at the Titans. Uh, and given the Titans sort of struggled in their demolishment of the okay. Bears... 
the Colts do have a decent run defense. It'll be interesting to see if the Titans can get that back, um, back online. And then Cleve, your your Cleveland Browns were off this week, but next week they host the Texans. So that's a big Baker game, assuming he doesn't have COVID. That's a big Baker game to uh, um, prove that he's on his way because everybody destroys the Texans. Yeah, yeah. If, the, yes, if uh, they go in and take a shit. One of the games, if, that's, if that's Kenny Galladay is back, the Lions host the Washington football team, which would mean Galladay and Terry McLaurin could each go for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Um. Let's see here. The Eagles play the Giants. Oh, uh, yeah, so Jake Luton's uh, second <laughs> start is going to be no at interest. Green Bay. Good luck. To uh, oh, and by the way, that's it for the 1 oh, p.m. Man. games. There okay. are five 1 p.m. games and six 4 p.m. games. I, I don't know. I don't wow. know why it's like is that. Is that scheduling? I was going to say, yeah. It's it's all day. Um, so starting yeah. with the 4 p.m. games. Oh, here we go. The Bills at the Cardinals. Ooh. Yeah, Josh Allen at at Kyler Murray. Neither Ooh, team can okay. really stop the pass at all. That's going to be great. And then we have the battle of the rookies. We have Justin Herbert and the Chargers at Tua and the Dolphins. So we'll actually get to see Tua and Herbert on the same mm, field at okay. the same time. Okay. They're uh, battling for Cleve's affection. Well, Her- Herbert has it. <laughs> Herbert has it. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. already he's already got like a, a yeah, makeup yeah. Her- bear Herbert's my guy. Herbert that he snows with at night. So, and 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 you have the footies that you have uh, towards. Yeah, this is not an argument like, you can oh, win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> besides, there's no room for me to love Tua. I've been in love with DK Metcalf too long. Um, I can't wait for next season's AFC Championship game: Dolphins and Chargers. Yeah. Dave versus Cleve. <laughs> I can't wait. This is on tape, Matt. This, uh, can't this is in a time capsule. Uh, we also we're gonna, have, we're gonna we have the Broncos and the Raiders, <laughs> which again, if, if if John Gruden's not a bad coach, that's an easy win for the Raiders. We have the Seahawks at the Rams. Uh-huh. And we mentioned how the Seahawks couldn't stop anybody's passing game. Okay. So this will be a good test here because the Rams are a team that wants to throw the ball a lot. And Cooper Cup, I believe, had 21 targets in their last game. He did. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that the yeah. game that that yeah. that uh? So that'll be a good like one. The Steelers host the Bengals. Yeah. So, Joe Burrow, do whatever you can. Uh, the 49ers are going to be murdered by the Saints, <laughs> and then our primetime games, which are both great for different yeah. reasons. The Sunday night game is the Ravens at the Patriots. Ooh. This. Must be a get right spot oh, for shit. the Ravens okay. going into Thanksgiving. Um, uh, they might have another game before Thanksgiving. I don't know how it works. The point is, is that the Patriots are not good, and the Ravens want to win the Super Bowl. This is a game that looks tough on paper. That the Ravens should win by twenty one points. So, if the Ravens win like twenty to seventeen, are we continuing this narrative about them? Yeah, I mean, the, the Patriots, I mean, the Jets, Joe Flacco just put up the 27 points on him, and it should have been more. You know, the Ravens, this 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 should be an ass whooping for the Ravens, yeah. anything less, and it's an issue. And then the Monday night game, ugh, I don't know why they do this, Vikings at Bears. Oh, my God. 
Ah, I mean, I like I my, do. My mother I, guy's gonna be hanging out. I want them to flex it because the Bears are the Bears. But it is cool. like if Dalvin goes for two hundred yards three straight weeks, it will be cool to have on a Monday night. But yeah, I mean, take the Bears and the Vikings, put them on Sunday, and put the Justin Herbert versus Tua on Monday night. It doesn't seem like it's that hard. Yeah, I, 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 I'm in agreement with that. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're we're happy to have football, but it's just like, come on, give us like, give us. You you flip flop Sunday with four games at the one right. o'clock hour and then right. six games. It's the, also a yeah, missed opportunity for everybody. It seems like the NFL whatever. doesn't lose out if they do that, really. And the networks theoretically would gain in, in some way. Like I don't think that the networks are going to be that uh, negatively impacted by moving uh, Bears Vikings to one o'clock on Fox or something like that. Like I don't think Fox really loses out, but ESPN would obviously benefit greatly from Herbert versus Tua because I think more people would tune in mm-hmm. because it's something with a narrative to it. So yep. it's just it. I mean, and I know what it complicates it is money, but at the end of the day, it doesn't seem like the negative effects of flexing games would be enough to bar us from doing it. Yeah, I uh, I agree. So yeah, so I know we ran uh, a bit longer than normal here, but I did want to get into next week's games because they do look pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right, it was uh, you know, this is our longest show today, so it's a, a, just under an hour and a half, which is fine. Um, actually, I don't know about you guys, but when people talk to me about the show, they want more. I'm like, well, our schedules dictate for us to do an hour, maybe hour thirty. Um, in most cases, so yeah, no one's gonna complain that the show was long today. Uh, we, we're, we're dealing with some idiot shit going on in in, in the government right now. So yeah, I uh, I agree with that, mind, and I don't mind that it went a little bit long, opinion. and we did have to talk the the election and and stuff like that. And it was good having a having having Maddie Ice here to really just continue dunking on Trump and his and his supporters because they lost because yeah. they are losers and they lost. <laughs> What do you guys think? Um, I mean, we obviously know the, the inevitable is the inevitable, but but I mean, we've never had this happen in, in um, at least in my in our lifetimes. Uh, we all share the same generation, um, for the most part. Like, so are we going to see the, the this president escorted out of the White House on January twentieth, uh, kicking and screaming, or are we going to see at some point? Hey, you know what? So I think Trump, you, if hey, he's man, smart, just, will not like ever be taken into here. custody, and he will actually leave the country before Biden is sworn in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cleve, uh, so I, I've said to you that I work for the federal government, but it's, I feel like we have to just have a little bit of faith in the system sometimes. And one of the narratives that the, the Trump folks have tried to spin is that, you know, our system is broken and our democracy is broken and it's just not true. I mean, Division is one thing, but the system is there. And I think, Dave, you're right. Like, if, at the end of the day, if Trump doesn't do what he's supposed to do, do the, the right thing, the professional thing, I mean, he's got a lot at stake and a lot to lose because once he stops being president, he is no longer protected. That's right. So, and I think yeah, that's honestly private what citizen, a lot brother. of people in his circle are citizen. thinking about. And it's it seems so petty, right? But losing the perks like i'm trying to imagine the people like kaylee McEnany having to hail a cab 
right? Like and stuff like that, because they're not going to be who they once were. And everything goes out the window then. All the stuff that they did, they're hopefully held accountable for. And that and that is, you know, that that is my hope. And that's all I can really do outside of not be a shitty person in my personal life, which, you know, I think I do a decent job of that. But, um, you know, I I'm just I mean, faith. I mean, yeah. Um, so Dave and I played sports coming up, right? So, you know, we play sports, been on teams, stuff like that. And Dave could probably answer this question better than I can. We've all ha- had opponents or people that we've played against growing up that we fucking absolutely hated or just didn't like for whatever reason. But it didn't stop us from shaking hands after a game. Whether we got our ass kicked or we kicked ass. It's like it's like there's pomp and circumstance for a reason. Like every world leader at some point of, of a reputable nation has to show grace and show, you know, humility or whatever it is. He could have simply called the Biden team and says, Hey, you know, great campaign, you guys, you know, whatever. I dispute the findings, I'll see you guys in court. You know, but to, to Stonewall and all this Bush League bullshit, it just shows me why you weren't fit for the office in the first place. So you know, in a nutshell, without you know banging the drum too loud, I, I'm just like, give me the 72 days. Yeah. So here's the thing: I would not shake my go. opponent's hand if they spent I, the I entire game taking again. cheap shots and trying to hurt my players, uh, and swinging and throwing punches. And I found out they had paid the referees. And after we had won the game by 38 points, they were screaming and yelling that they had actually won. I might not shake their hands in that case. Um, yeah. So I would not. I would not be shaking uh, Trump hand either. See, for me, that's the best. That's the best part. I'm shaking your hand with a shitty, shit-eating grin, like yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, 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 I'm sure. I'm sure Biden will take. I'm sure Biden would take the call if Trump ever calls so to concede. But get the fuck we might also be talking about the Jets and Lions playing in the Super Bowl this year. Like it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Donald Trump does not have it in him to admit uh, uh, <laughs> anything, anything like that. I mean, you think that Jerry Jones can't bring himself to fire coach after one year? Donald Trump admit that he lost. It'll never happen. They're not necessarily cut from different cloth either, the two of them. You know yeah, what I mean? No. Like Jerry Jones, it, they're very similar. They're old white guys. I mean, and old white guy from Texas, no less. So you kind of almost can you know, see what you're getting there. But you, Cleve, I get what you're saying, but you're asking for rational, decent behavior from a person who has not shown to be either of those in any facet ever. Like ever. So... I'm kind of on w- with Dave in a way like I-, I could understand saying like, no, I don't you don't get any of my respect. But at the end of the day, I think I would just because of the good feeling of knowing that I did it the right way and still kicked your ass. Right. Donald Trump is Vontaze perfect without any of the good parts. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's damning. <laughs> no, I think he's gone forever because he's so damaging to everybody around him that they threw him Vontes out, which is why Trump is my desk perfect. Without the mm-hmm. good part. <laughs> he couldn't make it on the Raiders. Raiders is like the last stop NFL. You can't make it on the Raiders. You're, you're out the league. Wow. Insane. All right, guys. We had a great... We had a great, um, a great show. Uh, I, I love doing it with, with you guys. I know that we, we poke fun at each other, but it's all in, it's all in fun. Um, hopefully, um, you know, we next yep. week we're talking about these games yep. and not Agreed. still political, political, political stuff. You know. See you later. All right.
Later. All right, guys. You guys have a great week and great weekend, and I'll see you guys next week.